Well, I got a couple updates for you um, as we get started. And so, Nate, where are you at, man? This is Nate Henderson. I want to introduce you to Nate. He joined our staff this Monday. Nate is going to be our director of technical arts. He is our director of technical arts. And so Nate comes to us from Norwood. Um, he's been living in Norwood and working with Brick Coffee as well as um, working in the IT world. And he joined us on Monday, a new member of our staff. And so I just want to say this. Um, this is Nate. Take a good look at him. Okay. You see what he looks like? Okay, now he's probably going to be behind the scenes a little bit more than some of the rest of our staff members. You probably won't see him up here a lot. A lot of his work is going to be um, with audio-visual stuff, and, and so he might not be up front as much as some of the rest of us. And so this is what I want you to do. You're going to love this. I want you to find Nate whenever you can and get to know him. He, you need to get to know this guy. He's awesome. He started on Monday. This week has been a crazy week. I don't know if you noticed all the, the stuff in the hallway and the, the changes that have been made, but they put new carpet and repainted the offices. And so he started on Monday, and for his first two days, we basically moved furniture the whole time. And so he's getting a lot of experience as to what ministry really is. Uh, but, but I want you to take some time, when you get a chance, if you see him in the hallway, um, find opportunities to get to know Nate. Actually, tonight we're going to be walking around trying to get to know people as we're decorating um, during, during the flock party. And so take some time and get to know, know Nate. But can we just welcome him together? Thanks, Nate. <clears throat> He makes me feel old, I'm not going to lie. So the, the second thing I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of an update. I, I was talking to a few of you before service, and, um, and this has been a really strange week. I don't know if there's ever been a sermon that I preached that came alive during my next week like the one I preached last week. And mostly the extra stuff that I talked about. And so I talked about several things last week in my sermon that ended up happening throughout the week. So you might remember, if you weren't here last week, you'll just have to take my word for it. But, but I talked about one of the examples I gave last week was how it's dangerous to play on the bed and how me and the boys get on the bed and we wrestle around and I try to tell them to be careful and stay away from the edge, but they don't listen and they fall off the edge onto their head. And so I gave that example. The very next day, we were on the bed wrestling, all of us jumping around, being crazy. I think we were playing Power Rangers or something like that. And one of my boys starts kicking me and decides to jump and jumps onto my knee, hits my knee, and I'm not sure if I tore it or what happened, but something is messed up in my knee. And so right after, literally the day after I talked about the dangers of us playing on the bed, I get hurt playing on the bed. And so that's, that's how that works. And, and then I also mentioned in the sermon that I hoped that, uh, that Megan hoped that that we wouldn't have sick family because we, we kind of had people sick over the weekend and so her hope was that nobody would get sick before Thanksgiving because it's the greatest day of the year to her. And, and so Thursday morning, Thanksgiving morning, the first thing that happened was Eli got sick. And the poor kid, I mean, he was so sad. And so two things from my sermon happened. And then the third thing, 
White Castle. <laughs> White Castle happened. And so um, thank you to the few of you that sent me White Castle stuffing recipes. I appreciate that. But I did get my, um, my yearly White Castle at dinner time, and it was delicious. I hope you guys had a great week. Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Give me a thumbs up or, or give me a thumb sideways. Don't give me a thumb down. Okay, good. Hopefully you had a lot of big plans. I, I, I don't know how big you do Thanksgiving, but, but, you know, honestly, I was thinking of this last week, and I was thinking, man, I'm going to have a good bit of free time. Like, it's going to be a nice break. And it, it didn't really turn out to be much of a break at all. It seemed like we were just constantly running. But, but I hope you had a great week. I hope you made good plans, and I hope they worked out well. Well, today we're going to talk about plans. And so I want to start with July 31st, 2004. That might not be a significant day to you. It was to me. It was the day after Megan and I got married. So July 31st, 2004. We got married the night before. We, we were in a hotel the night before, and then we were going to leave on July 31st, and we were going to go on our nine-day honeymoon to Florida. Somebody had been generous and had given us a condo in Naples to stay in for that nine days, and so we were so excited because we're going to get away, and we're going to soak up the sun, and we're going to spend time at the pool, and we're, we're going to be close to the beach, and it's going to be this beautiful nine days of getting away and enjoying our time together. And guess what happened? Nine straight days of rain. We went to the pool one time, and it was raining while we were in the pool. And so our big honeymoon plans didn't quite turn out the way that we thought it would. Has that ever happened to you? Have any of you experienced that before where, where you made big plans? Maybe it was a vacation. Maybe it was, maybe it was a job. Maybe it was something in your family. You made these big plans and then they didn't turn out the way that you thought they would. We like to plan, don't we? I, I don't love to plan. My wife does a lot of our planning, but, but, but we like to plan things. In fact, Megan sometimes gets very annoyed with us. Like, I look at a week like this last week, the Thanksgiving week, is like, hey, I got some time off. It's going to be nice. I can relax. And she looks at it and says, what's the plan? What are we doing? If we get up and we've got a free day and we get up and we're hanging out with the boys and wrestling around, she starts to get restless and starts to think, what are we going to do? What's the plan today? We like to have a plan, don't we? I, I love not having a plan, but sometimes I like to have a plan, but on my days off, I like to just rest. But, but we like to plan, whether it's vacations, whether it's just planning our day or planning our future, we like to plan. Well, over the past three weeks, we've been um, talking about being strangers in a strange land. We've been looking into the book of James, and so the book of James is really written to instruct the Jewish Christians of the first century how to put their faith into action. And so over the past three weeks, we've really been talking about different situations in our life. The first week, we talked about the way that we treat others, especially those that, that are strangers in a strange land. The last two weeks, we've talked more about how we deal with what our attitude and, and what God wants when we go through struggles or obstacles. And so we've been focusing a lot in this Strangers in a Strange Land series on the things that are happening to us now, our present circumstances. Well, today we're going to jump into James chapter 4. 
And this is really talking about our plans, our future, planning for the future. And so as we close this series, I think this is a great way to end this series to talk about not just what we're going through now, but what we're planning for the future. And so in James chapter 4, verse 13, he says this, now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city and spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So James is talking about these plans, and the first thing he says is, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. And essentially what James is doing is he's reprimanding the people that have made these plans. James is addressing their plans. All throughout his writing, James is addressing the, the, uh, the, the idols of the day or the things that they struggle with. He's addressed the way they talk to each other. He's addressed the way they treat each other. He's addressed the, their attitudes when they go through difficulty. He's addressed all of these very tangible things, and now he's addressing their plans. It, clearly, there's some issue with the plans are being made. So so let's look at it verse by verse. We'll start in verse 13. We see the plan. Today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. That doesn't sound too bad, right? Pretty normal plan. You make plans like that, don't you? I make plans like that. It's pretty normal. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and do this, and this is how it's going to work out, and we make these plans. That's What's wrong with this plan? What's the problem with, hey, today or tomorrow we're going to go here or there and we're going to make some money? Well, most of the people of this day that that James is writing to, most of the audience of, of the book of James were tradesmen. And it was very normal for them to travel from city to city and to work and make money. Some of them made things and sold them. Some of them traded things. And so they were very blue collar. And so this plan was nothing out of the ordinary. It was very simple. Today or tomorrow, we're going to go here or there, and we're going to carry on business, and we're going to make some money. We do this all the time, don't we? This, This is a very common plan. So what's the problem? Is there something wrong with this plan? When you think of plans, what do you think of? I think one of the most um, talked about, one of the most important plans that we talk about is presidential plans, right? I mean, we came through the election about, I don't know, was it a year and a half ago now or a year? I don't know how long ago it was, a while ago. And during the election process, during any election process, what do we talk about? What are your plans? What are you going to do? And I remember when, when the election was going on, every candidate would say, go to my website and you can see my plan for taxes. You can see my plan for health care. You can see my plan for this. 
And so we have these presidential plans. In my first hundred days, this is what I'm going to do in office. And we have these promises and these plans. And a lot of people care about those plans. We want to know, what's your plan? Hey, Mr. President. Hey, Mr. CEO. Hey, what's the plan? What are you going to do? How are you going to save us? How are you going to help us? We love plans, right? We want to know that our steps are going to be ordered. We want to know that everything's going to be okay. And so we make a lot of plans. What plans do you make? Just think about it for a second. What are the things that you plan for most? Maybe it's as simple as planning how your days are going to go. Maybe it's something huge like, I've got this plan for my family and for my children, what I want them to do and accomplish and be like. I've got this plan. Maybe it's your career. I've got this career plan. This is what I want to do in my life, in my career. Maybe it's something as simple as vacation plans, but we make plans all the time. And James comes at the planning process and there's clearly a problem with the plans that these people have made and they don't seem like anything wrong. So what's the problem? Is it wrong to make plans? Is it wrong to plan for tomorrow? No. That's not what James is saying. He, he's not saying that you shouldn't plan. And, and so he, he keeps on going. We'll keep on going he, in the next few verses. And I want to warn you, the, these next couple verses, especially the next verse, is not going to be the most uplifting thing that you've ever heard. And so please just understand I'm warning you. This isn't going to be super uplifting. Verse 14. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And then this is the real, the real uplifting part. What is your life? You are just a mist that appears for a little while and then phew, you're gone. That's, you feel pretty good about yourself this morning. We just let you out and woo! You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you're just a mist that's here and then phew, you're gone. It's not real uplifting, is it? You are a mist. Congratulations. But seriously, though, we make all these grand plans. We have all these huge plans. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. This is how I'm going to build my life. And the truth of the matter is, we are a mist. In the grand scheme of things, we've been using that illustration of being zoomed in versus zoomed out. And if we zoom out, I mean, we are just one person amongst close to 7 billion on this planet at this one time over the history of time. We are just a mist that's here today and gone tomorrow. All of our huge planning, all of our, all of our big things that we want to do, we're just a mist. And so number one, James says in verse 14, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You cannot control the future. You have no control over what happens tomorrow. You can make great plans. You can, growing up, I wanted to be a basketball player. I can plan to be a basketball player all I want. I have no control over whether that happens or not. I can plan to do great things. I can plan a vacation and to go be in the sun and to enjoy the beach. I have no control over whether it rains or it storms. 
And so we have no control over the future. That's number one. Number two, he goes on and says, you are just a mist here for a little bit and then gone. In the grand scheme of things, our plans are small and insignificant. So let's, let's try this out. I'm, I'm going to do a little quiz here. Does anybody in here know who the 23rd president of the United States was? Yell it out if you know it. No phones. <laughs> Nobody? Anyone want to take, what's that? Thomas Jefferson, no, that's incorrect. I would tell you what president he was, but I don't know my presidents very well. What's that? Oh my word, we got a winner, Benjamin Harrison, very good. Thank you. And, and what did Benjamin Harrison do? Does anyone know what was, it, what was his big plan? What did he accomplish? I didn't know who the 23rd president was. I, I just guessed a number and looked it up. Because here's my, here's my thought. This guy was the president of the United States of America, the, one of the most important people in our country. And almost all of us have no clue who this guy was or what he did. This is what he did, the McKinley Tariff. You guys are pretty familiar with the McKinley Tariff, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, the McKinley Tariff, yeah. That one, the tariff that was McKinley's. What about the Sherman Antitrust Act? Some of you know that one? Well, good for you, I don't. I, I, I'm not that smart. And then, and then he established National Forest Reserve. So that's one we would all know about, but, but honestly, did any of you know that he did those things? Nah. This was a president of the United States of America. I mean, this is a big dude. Like, he was the highest official in our country. He's just a mist. Here one day and gone. And most of us don't even know who he is or anything about him. I couldn't have told you he was a president. If you would have said, who is Benjamin Harrison, I would have made up something that was very far off from the truth. You're just a mist here today and gone tomorrow. And so James in verse 14 starts with two basic ideas. One problem with our plans or two problems with our plans are this. Number one, you cannot control the future. So you can make all these plans, but you have no control over the future. And number two, you're just a mist. You're just a speck on this earth at this one moment. So make all your grand plans, but... Poof, today and tomorrow. If we can't control our future and if we're just a mist, then who cares about the plan? I mean, think about this. James is telling people that their plans are wrong, but then he says, what is it? I mean, like, it doesn't matter because you can't control it and you're just a mist. You're nothing. So what's the big deal? What's the problem with these plans? If they're insignificant, if they don't matter, if they can't control it, what's the problem with making plans? The problem with James is not that they made plans. You should plan. In fact, in verse 15, he talks about planning. It's not that he made plans. In fact, his problems aren't even with the plans themselves. His problem is that these plans, his problem with these plans is in the attitude and the understanding of their lives. James addresses this in the next verse. In verse 15, he shows the real issue with, what, with why these plans are wrong. It says this. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. 
As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. And so James says, what you should do when you plan is say, if it is the Lord's will. The problem with our selfish planning is that, the problem with these plans is that they leave God out. The problem with planning on your own for yourself is it leaves God, the creator of everything, out. That's the problem with these plans. There's nothing wrong with planning to go here or go there and do this or do that. There is a problem when we leave God out. I want you to understand today, as you plan personally, for your family, for your business, for your church, for your life, you cannot leave God out of the equation Any plans you make outside of God are worthless. That's the problem. The problem is they left God out. So so he follows, if it is God's will, with two things. Number one, he says, if it is God's will, we will live. So we talked about earlier, we cannot control the future. Earlier, he said, you have no control over what will happen tomorrow. Now, he says, if it's God's will, you will live. Do you see how this answers that? So we have no control over the future, but guess who holds the future in his hands? God. And so when we plan, if it's God's will... We will live our very life. Everything that we have is given to us by God. So if it's God's will, we will live. If you're making plans on your own, you are missing out on the greatest asset that you have. That's God, the creator of everything, the one who made all this happen. You have the opportunity to let God help you plan. And if you make plans on your own, you're missing out on the greatest asset you have. I don't know about you, but I want God to be in the middle of my plans. I want God to source my plans. I want God to show me what my plans should be. Number two, he says, if, you, if it is the Lord's will, then we will live. But then he says, and we will do this or that. And so the first thing is, we don't have control, but guess who does? God. And the second thing is, if it's God's will, we will do this or that. So God holds the future, but not only that, God gives significance to our plans. So we are just a mist. We're just insignificant. You can do anything you want. You can build the greatest selfish plans you have and you're just a mist. But if it's the Lord's will, if it's the Lord's plan, if you're planning for the Lord with God alongside you, God gives you relevance and significance. You, little, puny, misty, you have relevance and significance with God. And so your plans don't have to be insignificant. Don't you love this? James points out two problems to planning. We can't control it, and we are insignificant. And he gives us two answers. God can, and God gives us significance. When we plan, we cannot leave God out of the equation. What James is saying is that if our plans are selfish in nature, number one, they may or may not happen. But number two, even if they do, they don't matter. 
But if your plans are sourced by God, you're a part of something so much bigger than yourself or your company or your family or this year or anything else. God is bigger than any of this. And so if your plans are sourced by God, you're not insignificant. You see, you... Little you, we talked about this, little mist, little here today, gone tomorrow, you, little insignificant you were created for a purpose. Have I beat you down enough today? (laughs) Now let me build you up a little bit. You were created for a purpose. Even though you are a mist, even though you are insignificant in yourself, you were created for a purpose. You are a part of something huge. You were created to point to and glorify God with your life, with your mist. And so in your life, you can point to yourself, you can point to your family, you can point to your business, you can point to your club or organization or your hobby, you can point to the church, but you should point to God. Anything else is insignificant and is wasted plans, is a mist that'll be here today and gone tomorrow. Any other plans, as James says in, in verse 16, are arrogant and evil. He says in verse 16, as it is you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. So just listen to this. I plan the perfect vacation, nine days in Naples. We're gonna get away, we're gonna rest. Rain. I'm raising the perfect family. My kids are scholar athletes and and they're going to get scholarships and they're going to be perfect and we have no control over what happens tomorrow. And even if they are, we're just a mist. I built a Fortune 500 company. I'm so important and I'm rich and everything's great. We're a mist. Hey, I could pastor a mega church doesn't matter if it doesn't point to God. All of our plans should start with God. The problem with the plans that James is pointing to is that they don't have anything to do with God. They're not sourced by God. All of our plans should start with God. That leads us to verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If our plans start with God, if we seek God's will, we'd better be willing to obey it. You'd better be obedient to the plan that God has for you. If we choose to live selfishly, if we choose to live for our own being, for our own family, for our own job, for ourselves, this says we're arrogant and we're sinning. Or... If God says do this, if God gives us his plan and we choose not to live it out, we're living in sin and we're wasting our plans. Think about Jonah. If you don't know the story of Jonah, Jonah was called by God to somewhere he didn't want to go and so what did he do? He ran and he ended up on a boat in the middle of a storm and got tossed into the ocean and eaten by a fish and eventually, guess what? God got a hold of him. If you run, if you're disobedient to God's will for your life, you're living in sin, and you're wasting your time. You're wasting your mist. So let me ask you this morning, what's the plan? 
What's the plan for your life? What's your life plan? Is it to become great, to become rich, to become famous, to be perfect, to be the smartest person in, be the smartest person in the room? Is that your life plan? What is the plan? What, what about your family? What's your plan for your family? Is it that you have scholar athletes, you have kids that grow up to be perfect and to look nice and to be smart and to have good jobs? Is that, is that what your plan is all about? What, what about our church? I gotta be really honest with you. I feel pretty insignificant. And in the position that I'm in, and I'm fairly new to this, I feel like I need to have this great plan. And we talk a lot about the plan. What's the vision? What's the plan? I even had someone say to me the other day that, oh man, we we just think that this person had a great plan. I'm going to be honest with you. I've got some plans. I don't want... I don't want to be a plan. I don't want it to be all about what I think. I don't want it to be all about becoming this great church or this perfect place or this huge church. I want our plans to come from God. I want our vision to come from God. I want my tomorrow to come from God. I want my family to be what God wants it to be. What's your plan? If it's for yourself, if it's selfish, you're wasting it. All of our plans have to start with and be sourced by God and I believe we would be better off serving God's will than being the most successful people in church and business that we could possibly be. I want God's will. I want God's plan. Jesus set the perfect example for us in this. In Matthew 26, we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as we close today, we're going to be taking communion, but just after the Last Supper with the disciples, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane And in Matthew 26, verse 39, we see this. It says this, going a little farther, he fell on his face to the, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus, when we talk about insignificance, when we talk about just being a blip on the, on the earth, Jesus is the most significant historical person to ever walk the face of the earth. There are millions of people gathered today worshiping Jesus, maybe billions. He's the most significant person to ever walk the earth. And what we see in the Garden of Gethsemane is we see that Jesus knows that the plan isn't what he would do. He knows that he's gonna go through some difficult times. He knows that he's gonna hurt. And his response is this, my father, if it is possible, 
May this cup be taken from me, but not my will, your will, God. And so today, we are going to take communion together. Today, as we take communion, we, we participate in, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave and giving everything he had for the will of the Father. And so today, as you prepare your heart for communion, today, as you pray about taking these elements, today, as you prepare yourself, we need to offer ourselves not to our own plans, but to God's will. Today, we need to submit our plans, our life, our kids, our family, our jobs, our plans to God. And so as we participate in communion this morning, I would ask you to offer everything you have, including your plans to God. Not my will, Father, but your will be done.